0: You will turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 49. I'm going to read several verses of Scripture. Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. In verse 1, it says, Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people, from afar. The Lord hath called me from the womb. And from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he hath hid me, and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. And he said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord, and my work with my God. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob against to him again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that they shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give for thee a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. In verse 7, Thus said the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and His Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, Because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, He shall choose thee. Amen. If we can lay our Bibles down and ask God to touch us tonight. I love you, Jesus. presence once again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight? I love you, Jesus. There is glory and honor upon you, Master. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. I ask of you for your patience, but also of your prayers and support. I believe God, as a word, gave it to me this morning, and Pastor done a beautiful, beautiful um, job of preaching this morning, teaching as he said, but it was preaching, and I was so blessed by the Word of God that I heard this morning. What a powerful move of God to see God move upon and touch those, the saints of God, through prayer and through the preached Word of God. It was an honor to be in service this morning. Tonight, I want to preach to you. It's something I've never preached before. Transferred from here to there. Transferred from here to there. I'm not big on titles. It'll hopefully make sense in the end. But I want to be able to bear my heart. I want God to have His way and begin to speak to us. I believe this church is going places. This local assembly... Is going places. And I am excited for what God is doing and the Word of God that's been so ably delivered in services in the past. And I am just excited to be a part. Maybe if I can run along and push just a little bit, jump on the bandwagon and push us just a little bit further, give somebody else a rest tonight and allow the Word of God to preach to our hearts. I believe God is wanting to minister to us tonight. And if we will listen and hear and just, if you will remove me from the equation, as I'm trying to do right now, I want God to speak to this church. One of the great differences between the two Testaments is the Old Testament has an emphasis on place, and the New Testament has an emphasis on to a person. Under the old dispensation, they were pointed to places to worship and to sacrifice. And if it was, I could use a modern term, it was a rally point. A place for them to go and offer sacrifices and to worship God. The success of it was great as the temple meant nearness to Jerusalem and to the presence of God. Gentiles, and reading through and studying our text from Isaiah chapter 49, Gentiles were described as living in lands that were called the far-off ones. And we see how we as Gentiles today know how the story unfolds. But there's beauty and parallels that we can read through Scripture and begin to study and hear the Word of God preached to each and every one of us and understand That the message is not over. We have not arrived in any sense of the word. We are on a journey. And the destination God has prescribed for the church. It's upon us to ensure that we can make this, as Psalm says, this tedious journey. It's not easy. It's not for the weak. It's not for the faint. But it does have provision for the weak and for the faint. We have a help. And just because you're strong today doesn't mean you'll be strong tomorrow. But it's the church that helps you be strong tomorrow. This is not a one-man show, as Bishop said, but this is the church. And we respond accordingly. We see a brother or sister struggling, and it is the church that so responds. There's nothing like seeing someone on the side of the road trying to push their own vehicle off the ramp out of harm's way and everybody driving past. But it catches your eye when you see cars start pulling over and people begin to help. That's what the church is. If you think this is all about you and all about your touch and all about your hanky wave and all about your salty tears, you're mistaken. We are all in this together. We are all sitting on the same bench rowing and saying, yes, Lord, lead us to that place you would have us to go. So this message tonight is to help you understand. If you don't, we'll help you. If you do already, praise God and jump into it with both feet. Maybe it will be a strength to somebody tonight. Back to our text, looking at Isaiah chapter 49, we see the prophet Isaiah giving a prophecy that is pointing towards the Messiah. In Isaiah 49 and 6, and he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give, for thee, give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. We see it referenced also in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 13, and verse 47, For he, so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. We also see it referenced in another passage of Scripture where it is calling those that are afar off. We can read it in Acts chapter 2 and 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call we see that from the Old Testament, it was not just referencing this is just for the Jews. It wasn't just a message. This was calling those far and wide. It was calling all flesh. You can find it referenced in Scripture after Scripture of the prophecy of things from the Old Testament, pointing towards the Messiah, that it was going to be more than just the Jewish people. In Isaiah 49 and verse 7 Thus said the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and His Holy One, to whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to the servant of rulers, and kings shall see and rise, and princes also shall worship, because of the Lord that is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel, and He shall choose thee. The coming Messiah would be rejected and cast away, our King and Savior would be pushed to the side, and a criminal would be favored among the Jews. Isaiah 53 in verse 3 says, "...He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised, and we esteemed Him not. Surely He hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows." Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. We're talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What they did to him and how they afflicted him on our behalf. We are just as guilty as the Roman soldiers that had the whips in their hand, that spat in His face, pierced His side, because He did it for each and every one of us. He didn't do it for the holy. He didn't do it for the ones that were already saved. But He did it so He could call us out of a life of sin. That He could change our direction. So He could give each and every one of us hope and a testimony that we all in turn point to Him. This was something that He took upon Himself so that we in turn can point all souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. That's what it was all about. Saving all flesh, and whosoever will, let them come. In Luke 23 and verse 18, And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man! Release unto us Barabbas. On down in verse 21, we'll jump down there. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, What, why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. He was willing to give him a slap on the wrist. And let him go, if you could say, anything that the rulers could have done and let him go was just a mere slight correction compared to what he went through for our sake. I want you to think of that whenever you think, well, it's just a small sin. Let's think about the price he paid for your small sin. Let's think about the blood that was shed for the small sin. It cost him for the murderer, the rapist, the one who drops bombs on innocent souls to the same person that does just the small sin. He paid the price for all. What I find interesting in verse 23, when they were given the opportunity to let him go, And they were instant with loud voices. That means that hatred was upon their lips and the gnashing of their teeth and casting judgment upon someone and saying, how dare he challenge our laws? It was so fresh. It was so livid within them that it wasn't, well, you've offered something we may consider. No, the mob had made up their mind. They were instant with their judgment, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priest prevailed. It wasn't just one offering of crucifying, but it says that they offered up a barrage and they assailed them with their voices. And they said, you must crucify him. When we look at this, and we'll be moving on, but I want him to prove a point. The deafening response that we give inside our hearts when Jesus is reaching for us and we reject His will, His plan for our life, God is calling for a deeper place in the church. Some of us may get accustomed to being able to walk out with a boat and being able to walk around in knee-deep water and ankle-deep water and feel okay and safe and secure. But God is calling this church. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anyone, but if you listen just to any of the recent messages, you would be foolish to think that God hasn't given us a glimmer, a sliver, a direction, a push in the direction closer to Him. And I told Bishop the other day, I says, I never, never want to go back to the way we used to have church. I am not satisfied. I don't care if my passion offends. I don't care if my desire for lost soul offends because I'm going to reach down and grab you and say, listen, let's do this together. Let's pull them into this house together. This is a place of safety and security. It's about his will, not my will. We must push souls to Calvary. This is not the time to be politically correct and say, oh, well, I don't want to say I'm praying for you. I don't want to say thoughts and prayers. I'll just say you were on my mind to a sinner or a coworker, There is times in their life they are needing the prayers of the church. It is our calling. It is our high calling to be able to respond and reach for souls. I'm not saying be so foolish as to walk in and violate every HR guide in your manual you may have for your company, but I can tell you, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And it's easy for someone to say, oh, well, this person, family member's not doing well, and you just instantly respond in our flesh, oh, but we'll pray for them. Our thoughts and prayers are, that's sad, that's too bad. But when you can go back to them and you can say, I prayed for you. I prayed for that need. When you can walk up and say, I don't know what level of God you believe in, but we brought a prayer cloth, or we gathered our church together, and we had a group calling out your name, letting them know it's more than just thoughts and prayers. We can say that and get ourselves off the hook, but God has called this church to go deeper than we ever have, and it's going to cost us. It is going to cost us. You know what it's going to cost us? It's going to cost me my will. It is going to cost me my time. It's going to cost my time on the computer, my time reading my book, my time doing my yard work, my time doing my things, my time doing my study. It's going to cost us. But when I can walk in and give him everything and says, I don't care if I have to read the Bible every day, and pray every day, and be in the church every day, and cry salty tears, and pray through every day. I don't care what it costs. It's worth it. Must my day go as I planned? Or can I allow God to interrupt me? Can I stop and listen to His clear, soothing voice? Or do I always have to have something playing in the background to drown out the voice that's drawing me deeper to Him? Do I also always have to grab social media instead of grabbing my Bible? Because I know when I grab the Bible, it requires more of me. God is calling us saints of God. What is so important in my life that requires me to impose my wants over His plan? What is it? that I don't like about the chief cornerstone, that I feel that I need to modify the church instead of the church modifying me? What is it that I have to feel like I have to make those around me uh, bend to my agenda or my will instead of it being be kind, the, the rally cry of the church and responding to the Word, whether it be in personal devotion or listening to it in your car or sharing the Gospel or grabbing a Bible study we must fulfill the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must obey the great commission. This sounds so simple, but we're struggling. God gave me this message. These are not my words that I want to say. I would much rather be sitting down listening to anyone else in this auditorium preach and deliver this message. Trust me. But God would not give a message if we were overwhelming successful. We have room to grow. We need to be transferred from here to there. In the New Testament, the dwelling place of the divine was superseded. This transference from place to person, it made the person represent a universal location. And this was laid out in a very familiar passage of Scripture. Now, all of you that are attending the Bible College Hopefully, you have something to add or something I say may prompt when we talk about the woman from Samaria. And we were instructed, and this was not even a part of uh, my plan to incorporate it, but God laid it on my heart. We're talking about Jesus and the woman at the well. And in John chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. On down to verse 13, he's talking about all this. He begins to explain some things to her, and she responds, the well's too deep. And on down to verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give, him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. He then responds to her about, go call your husband. And She says, oh, I have no husband. And She says, that's well, he, Jesus says, it's well said, and begins to tell her, You've been married five times, and the man you're with is not your husband. And and she responds and says, oh, thou art a prophet. And Jesus begins to talk to her a few more times, and and she responds and says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain or nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what, and we know that what we we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And we heard this verse of Scripture through Truth Conference. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What was that? Principle number two for truth conference. And the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I speak unto thee, am he. Now, It's interesting about the woman at the well. She was speaking of our fathers worshipped in the mountain or at Jerusalem. And she's responding to Jesus with her level of understanding. She was perceiving everything that Jesus was revealing to her through her own lens. And it was based upon a few loose facts that I will present. The Samaritans only believed in the five books of Moses. They were expecting the Messiah to come to Samaria and not to Jerusalem. And they were expecting Samaria to be the seat of government, not Jerusalem. This was the Samaritans. And they were rejected by the Jews. You see, anyone that, uh, any Jews that lived in Samaria, they had been kicked out because they were not. Obeying the law. There was the Samaritans, and they had a deep hatred between uh, the Jewish people and the Samaritans. They absolutely hated each other. And we find where Jesus is making his way at the beginning of John chapter 4. He says, I must go to Samaria. And it's interesting when you begin to watch all this unfold and how. Jesus began to reel, reveal to, to this woman at the well about who He really was. And He responds to her by describing the new location from place, transference to the people part of the New Testament. In John chapter 4 and verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when he, we, and we, when ye shall neither in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem, worship the Father. He's telling her, listen, it's not the place that you hold as sacred. It's the place where we're going to be worshiping. It's not where you're going to fixate upon the mountain or even make him the journey to Jerusalem. That is no longer the place of priority. And He begins to reveal to her that place of priority. And Jesus tells her, and He goes on to tip His hand if you could say and she continues to respond that she thought he was a prophet. And then Jesus, in his last response, begins to show what he was really the Messiah. In John chapter 4 and verse 25, the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is cometh." Little did she know she was looking him in the face, speaking to him, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus says, all right. I'm just going to lay it out. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I'm the Messiah. I am the one that was prophesied. I'm the one that you had heard for so many years telling that it's coming. I'm standing before you. Jesus took that time To show her it wasn't the well, it wasn't the mountains, it wasn't the historical events, it wasn't the place of Jerusalem, but you're going to come and you're going to worship something totally different. I'm going to transfer you from here to there, and it's going to be beautiful. And it's going to unfold a beautiful story that is going to continue from John chapter 4 and be picked up in the New Testament further on in. It's beautiful what Jesus laid out. He laid the groundwork for a great revival in Samaria. Now we all know, and we've heard all of this before, so nothing new, but she went into the city and she called all of them out and compelled them and they sat at his feet. When the Jews were kicking him out of their cities, throwing stones at him and pushing them out, the Gentiles sat there and said, tell me more. They were hanging on to hear the place. The place when the destination was looking them in the eye, trying to teach them, trying to compel them, trying to pull them, and Jesus was able to go talk to a woman that had an illicit background, living with a man and five husbands deep, and he took the time to reveal that he was the Messiah in Samaria to a woman like that. All the while, the Holy Joes, Pharisees, all of them saying get out of here. We want nothing to do with this. Take this message. It's against the, the laws that we have pimmed and written and, and how we oversight on this upon the people and we beat them down with the law. What we find is Jesus was able to go find someone who would listen. He was just a willing heart. We as apostolics We can get to the place where we're just like people that say, oh, well, if the message doesn't reach this kind of crescendo, the service doesn't flow in this manner, it was okay. All the while, Jesus is speaking to you in every service. and It's upon you to say, tell me more. Oh, tell me more. We fixate upon what a good service is. But God's just waiting for a good response. Whether you're teaching a Bible study to somebody, or whether you're sharing your testimony, or whether you're just telling somebody about how good God is, you're pointing them from the physical here and there. You're saying, listen, there's someone called Jesus Christ. It's not about me. We know, and Pastor talked about it, about the Greek being translated, I am it says it literally translates, I am who am speaketh to thee. It was not the prophet that she thought that was speaking to her, but it was the destination that was speaking to her. The I am, the spirit was reaching out to her and saying, Listen, there's something more. I'm trying to pull you in deeper into something more. In Acts chapter four, Acts chapter eight and verse four. We find Philip it says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. That sounds really familiar. That sounds like something pastor's been preaching. Sounds like something that he's saying, hey, let's tap into this. We can get to a vein in the Holy Ghost and go to that place to where when sinners walk in the door and they sit on the pew, conviction puts them here, not back out there. Where it's not about the fellowship after service. It's about the fellowship during service. It's not about, all oh, knowing who I am and what I look like. It's about knowing who he is and what he wants us to look like. That's what church is about. We bring sinners in. It's a shame for them to walk out the door and never shed a tear. It's a shame for them to walk in and say, oh, they got good music, a good preacher, and walk out the door. We need the old-fashioned power of the Holy Ghost to grip their hearts. That same power that turned my knuckles white when I'm sitting in a service and the preached Word of God reaches down into the depths of this soul and says, would anyone like to come pray? And it was those simple words that with all my power and my might, I couldn't withstand it. And I had to say, I've got to go pray. I've got to go talk to the master. We need that conviction in this house that settles upon these pews, upon the saints of God, no matter where we go. You know, they can look at our holiness and say, you're a little different. But when they sound and hear our demeanor and the way we talk, and the way we handle things, and when we walk in and they say, I don't know how to put my finger on it, but something's different, and you begin to share with them the Word of God. It says in verse 7, for unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many were taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there were, was great joy in that city. I would like for there to be. Now, this is me. This is Brother Goff's flesh. I would like for there to be great joy in this church. And I believe God would like the very same thing. I believe He would like to move in each and every one of our services. And the Spirit has been so good and refreshing. You can feel just the the waves of the Holy Ghost come through and the preaching and the worship and the prayer. And it's so good. But He's not doing us to say, good job. Just stay right here. He's saying, go deeper. Don't get hung up on the place. Let's go on from here to there. Let God lead us and guide us. Because just as the woman at the well could have said, well you're just a prophet, you knew about my husbands. leave me alone. She went back and told everybody, and there was revival. And he laid the groundwork so someone can come back, and Philip could then go and preach the word of God, and there was great revival, there was healing in his name. There was a presence of God that was undeniable, and it brought great joy to their city. You can read on down in Acts chapter 8 where it talked about they went and preached in many villages in Samaria. It wasn't just one place. That's what we were called to do. And pastor talked about it. Let us have dominion over the Spirit's of this city. So not so we can sit inside the walls of our liberty, but so that we can go to the next one and say, Satan, your kingdom's coming down. Let's plant a church. Let's put a Bible study. Let's meet with people and pray. It's not so we can say this place is our place and God has given us this luxury of feeling and having good church and look at the moves of God, but no, it's so others can feel the very same thing. Later on in Acts, we find it further explained about going from place to people transferred from here to there. We find the Ethiopian eunuch had been in the right place, Jerusalem. He was there for the right reason, to worship. He was reading the right book, the Scripture. Yet, he was unsatisfied. How many people do we know that can fit this very same description that go to church and say, well, I feel a little bit, I cried a little bit, I feel a little better because someone preached to me and had a little prayer, swayed with some music, walked out, I feel a little better, but they're not satisfied. There was a need for there to be something transferred from a location to the person from here to there god sent philip to meet him he was listening to the word of god when it spoke to him i guess that's something that's very important to call out because we can't be effective if we can't hear god it says in verse 26 not in my notes so you don't have to worry about getting there, Brother Hiltman. But the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is desert. And he rose and went. Philip done something that we find very hard to do. Even in this day of luxuries, we find very hard to do. But it was necessary to go from here to there. Because if Philip hadn't listened, When he got there and ran alongside and began to talk to him, was invited up up into the chariot, we find that Philip began to preach what was missing, Jesus Christ. Philip began to share exactly what the Ethiopian eunuch was not able to understand. And pastor said it this morning where he picked up right where he had left off and began to give him revelation. He took him from here to there. And can you imagine when they pulled over to the side of the road and talked about baptism, began to share with him the need for baptism, and they began to find a pool of water. Can you imagine the excitement that was upon that Ethiopian eunuch's face when he says, now I understand, now I realize Now I understand the Word of God that I've been reading. And they went down into the water and he was immersed. And and we find out that it says that the Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing. You know what that means? He was fulfilled through the preached Word of God. He was fulfilled. The promise of the Gospel message was made to include all flesh. What is interesting is that the promise calls out the place the Jews hated. Acts chapter 1. We find Jesus speaking these words prior to His ascension into heaven. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of Him, saying, Lord, wilt Thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father hath put in His own power. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Guess where we reside? The uttermost part of the earth. That's where we sit today today. That gospel message that was proclaimed, it included the Jews and the Gentiles. But Jesus himself made sure to call out. He remembered a woman at the well in Samaria and says, don't forget about the hungry. Don't forget about the people that sat at my feet when the Jews rejected me because I wasn't fitting their mold. Don't forget about those that were so hungry they came outside the city and sat there for days pulling the Word of God from the Word of God, letting Him minister to them. Don't forget about Samaria. Philip didn't forget about Samaria. He went there and preached a great revival. Jesus did not promise to restore the kingdom of Israel He offered them a destination that was beyond their place. Jesus is getting ready to leave them. And their request was, what about the kingdom? What about the kingdom? He says, don't worry about it. You're focused on the place. Let's talk about the people. You're stuck in the past. Let's talk about what your future really is. You're hung on to the monuments of men and the things that have been imposed upon you. Let me tell you about the message that I want you to preach, this gospel message. And it's to everyone. Not just to the Jews, but it's to the Gentiles. And don't forget about Samaria. God removed the focus off of the place and put it on the person. That temple that is made without hands, is going to be transferred from a place here on earth to a person seated next to our Heavenly Father where we walk up and we begin to worship Him in heavenly places. If you're so hung up, and Pastor hit on it, I'm so glad he said what he did, but just because you lose your life here on earth, you have not lost anything that's of value. It's about going to see Him. If you're so hung up, and I'm so fearful and so afraid, you're focused on here, when He's calling us to there. You're so hung up on the place, when you are sitting there saying, God, I, I, I don't want to leave this earth, I, I'm too accustomed here, I'm comfortable, I like what I have, and, but I'm sorry, saints of God. There's some people I want to see. There's some people I've heard stories about in the Word of God. But there's some saints of old that have lived in my lifetime that I want to go walk up to them and say, it was worth it. It was so worth it. Thank you for investing in me. Thank you for investing in churches and and preachers and pastors and passing this message on. I could care less about this whole world. Just give me Jesus. Take me from this world. I'll gladly lay down my life if God could just keep me ready and go unto Him, the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm not so hung up on this thing called, this marble called earth that I can't look to Him and say, God, take me from here to there. Oh my, this morning, I was listening to a song. Many of you know it. An old song, Teddy Huffman in the Gyms, said, Where the stone's been rolled back, he's gone. An old song, he's gone. I was getting ready for church this morning. The song began to play, and tears began to stream down my face. I said, God, you went to Calvary. And you went to a tomb, but you've done it to take us from the place to the person. You went to Calvary, and you occupied a place at one time, and you laid down your life to take us from the place to the person. You're saying it's not all about the symbolism of the cross. It's not going to stop there. It goes on. He's going to call us to our just reward. He had people run to a tomb and discover it was empty, not so they could get a memorial and everybody weep for the ages on to say Jesus lies behind the stone. But he got up so he could point us from there and say, Listen, it's all about going somewhere else. It's all about going to the next dimension. It's about going to the next place. This is not the end of the road for the promise. He got up, glorified body, walked through walls, presented Himself among the apostles, and began to speak to them, and began to eat in front of them. But yet everything that He did was pointing towards the gospel message. Keep going further. Don't be satisfied. Go from this place to the next. Just as pastor said this morning about whose report will you believe? Now there was a report said when Jesus left the tomb. People said, oh, they've stolen his body. Now you could believe that report. But we know the truth on the other side. There's proof. Just as Pastor said, there's proof when they went into the land of promise and began to uh, pull back the fruits of that city. When others were so afraid, but I'm here to tell you tonight, saints, it's going to cost us, and it's going to be painful. It's going to require much of the church, and you know what? It's going how much it's going to require everything, everything you have. It's going to cost you everything for us to go from here. To there. Because God is not going to spend His glory like we go to the arcade and get a handful of tokens and begin to just drop into us and say, Oh, I got a ticket here, a ticket there. God has planned all of this for a jackpot so that he can pour out his flesh, his spirit, upon all flesh, not just ones he twosies, but he promises great things if we'll obey the Word of God. In closing, we see where Paul is speaking of the mystery of the Gospel. As Brother Kaiser read some of that in Ephesians chapter 3. Right before that, it begins to talk about the mystery of the Gospel being revealed to proclaim the good news, the untraceable riches of Christ, of the Christ Christ and to cause all to see what is the fellowship of the secret that hath been hid from the ages in God who, all, who, the all, who the all things did create by Jesus Christ. We see it talking about the intent and principalities and powers and heavenly places in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10. And it talks about according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. What we find is talks about the manifold wisdom in God in verse 10. It doesn't mean that it's great, but it means it's far-reaching. It's exhaustive. It's beyond our wildest imagination. What we think we see of the church today is very limited to what God wants to do. Can you imagine all the angels that God has dispatched come to services such as this to sit among us and let us feel the presence of God and the Shekinah glory begin to settle in on services, begin to feel that wonderful power, wooing and drawing people. And they begin to sit in services, commissioned on the promise that God says there's gonna be an outpouring in Olathe, Kansas, and a great revival. God says there is a time and a place when it's gonna be revealed. It's just as it says in Ephesians chapter 3. It talks about the mystery of God. It's not a mystery today. It has been revealed. He even talks about it. says that men can read the Scriptures and begin to understand the the, uh, understanding of Christ Jesus our Lord fulfilling the gospel message. But when we see our services and we understand the moves of God where He has stepped into our presence, it's further saying, listen, let's go deeper in Him. He's telling us, listen, I'm not done with you in this service or the next service. And we can say, oh, that was a good phase or that was a good time of our church. And we begin to look back at pictures and listen to messages and begin to reminisce about the old. But I'm here to tell you today, saints, God has something more. And He wants to take this church beyond the restoration of anything we've had in the past and take us to the thing that He has promised us. So many of us, and this is my last point, our fault as apostolics is that we hang on to the past so deep and so great that we will not let go of it so God can deliver the future of the church. We think of all the greatness behind us. But God says the unsearchable, unfathomable riches of my glory I have yet to be poured out. And here we're hanging on to something and trying to drag it behind us and saying, but God, what about, what about when this happened? What about when this happened? God has a promise for this church. We just got to let go of the past. We have to let go of saying, God, give us what we used to have. And I'll revisit the comment. I don't want what we used to have. I want the promises of God to be fulfilled in this church. I don't want to settle for second place. I don't want to settle for yesterday. I know that God has everything today, as pastor said, in the palm of his hands I can look back and say, well, my grandfather preached this message, and signs and wonders followed. But God is sitting here saying, stop looking at the past. Look me in the face. Let me take you from here to there. Let me go beyond what you're hanging on to, the mountain, the well, Jerusalem, the temple. God has something special for us today, saints, and we'll never get there if we'll say you're just a prophet. But when we can look at him in the face and say, You're the Messiah. You are the one. You're the one that's going to make everything happen. You can get hung up on rebuilding the temple. We can get hung up in this church about getting back to 100, 75, 125, 150. You can get hung up on what was in the past. But God wants to exceed your wildest expectations. And it's us that's limiting God. We can sit there and say, well, I remember when. And those are some great stories to build faith. Pastor talked about some of them this morning about the dead being raised. But that's only one. What about when God reaches down and does it again and again and again? We, we read of what? Three or four times in the Scripture happening. And the Bible tells us that it can't even contain the volumes of the goodness that He done, the signs and the wonders and the miracles. And we cannot be happy, no disrespect about one, but we can't be happy with one. Because life goes on, people pass, disease happen, but we have a heavenly father that has everything in the palm of his hand, and he's wanting us to take us from here to there. And it's hard for us to see that picture when you're standing there as the woman at the well saying, Give me the drink. We know the picture that as it unfolds, as it scrolls to this side, she went into the city, compelled them out, and they heard the word. We know where Philip went to Acts chapter 4 and uh, Acts chapter 8 and begins to deliver the word of God, and they were full of joy. The city was overwhelmed with it. You can read about, as I said, city after city after city this happened to. They went from here to there. They said we're outcasts, and we have found the Messiah. We have realized the promise, and it's been preached to us. And what's more important is that He has called us by name. Don't forget about Samaria. Just as He said, don't forget about my mother when He was hanging on the cross. Some of His last words before He left here on earth was don't forget about Samaria. Saints of God, He's trying to get us from here to there. Don't get so hung up on the mountain, the well, the temple, and all the glitz and the glamour. Because if we do, we'll miss it. Just like the proud Jews that said, get out of here. You're challenging me. If the Word of God doesn't challenge you, you're missing it. Because that's what it's here for. It's to prompt us and poke us. It's to pull the feathers from the nest and say, go do something. Go change the world. Go take people from their place up here and bring them to this place. Take them from what they're so consumed with the things of this world and the idols of this world, and the people that don't even know their name. They just see a light pop up on social media and they could care less who they are following their blue check mark account. But I'm here to tell you God knows who each and every one of us are. We are the apple of his eye, and he's compelling us say, Will you go from here to there? Can we stand today? It's time for us to take our eyes off of the physical and let God transfer us from the place you stand today. We cannot be happy with where we're at because when people get happy, they begin to put down a foundation, a stake. They begin to say, this is my place. They begin to personalize it. We have a man that's near our exit on I-35, and every day I would drive by and see him. He'd sit in there with a sign. And I was beginning to wonder how long was he going to sit there, and day after day, sitting at this exit. He'd be playing the guitar sometimes, have a sign up, talking to people as they pull up. And I begin to notice he had a trash bag there. I'm like, well, this guy's actually doing something. He's actually picking up trash around. Time rolls on, more stuff shows up. He wasn't picking up trash. He was moving in. Now, you can drive up to that exit, I-35, 18th Street. Pull up there, look to your left, and he's made himself a little place to be comfortable. And saints of God, we sit here in this service. God's taken us somewhere. It's not a time. To begin to collect things. Travel light. Travel light. Don't try to, oh, that'd be a good place for a cabin. Travel light, saints. God's taken us somewhere. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. It's not a time for us to say, oh, we've made it. We've had some people restored, had a few healings. This is good. No, we're going on to great. We're going on to miraculous. We're going on to Phenomenal. Don't settle for great when phenomenal's right in front of us. Saints of God, travel light. Don't set your roots down and say, oh, my job or my family, my friends. Travel light because God's going to call you to a place and say, don't get so used to them. And don't become where you're just one of them where you can't share this gospel because he's going to ask you one of these days, share your testimony. And when you balk, you start to say, well, a mailbox would look good right here. We don't need any more souls. Hold the phone, God. You're asking too much of me. I'm going to put me a little mattress right here because my next step is to bear my soul and to share that testimony. Saints of God, He's trying to push us somewhere. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to sacrifice everything. Everything. Everything, saints of God, it's going to cost us everything. We can giggle, we can laugh, we can have fun here on life. We can find the funny social media posts. But God is calling us to a place to where it costs us. He laid down His life for us. It's not about the overtime. It's not about the fat bank account. It's not about the riches and the wealth. It's not about being accepted. But it's so we can point souls to Calvary. So we can say, Here's a rally point. Come to this church. But it's not the stopping point. You can't be settling in and making making this your home because we're gonna go to the next building. And we're gonna go to the next place. And we're gonna spread out across the city, and we're gonna minister, and we're gonna follow God's great commission unto us. To go ye therefore. It's not so we can pack And I went through and I may be off of my number. But our current situation, with our pews we have laid out, if you were to sit comfortable, four adults per pew, I don't know, you're probably around roughly the 150 mark. That would look great in here. It would look beautiful. It would look amazing. That's nothing. That's nothing. If you're happy with that, let me expand your horizons. Let me show you what God really wants to do. It's not about the building, because those can be built and torn down. It's about you being effective in the kingdom of God. It's about your fingerprints all over the lost souls around you. We can sit there and say, oh, that looks good. Look at the family coming in and shake their hand. Bless God. Thank you for coming to the house of God. You know what? They walk out and they don't come back. We've got to keep reaching. We're active fishermen. We're not sitting there with a bobber. We're sitting out there throwing out line after line after line. God is calling this church to take steps that are uncomfortable. It's grab a Bible study. It's take people from here to there. We can't be happy with, well, my testimony is not that important. Somebody is crying in their beer laying their head down at night tonight, out of fear, out of hunger, waiting to hear your testimony. God is calling this church. I know I'm just talking to church. We're not running the aisles. But we have to understand, it's not all about the past. That gives us a pattern. That gives us a hope, a faith, that we can say, God, You did it then. You can do it now. But everything that I can find in the Word of God it says that God has the wealth, has the cattle on a thousand hills. I've yet to see it, and I want to see it. It says that He has all the expanse of space mapped out just by His Word. And we can look up into heavens and say how great God is. He gives us these opportunities to look at this place and say, God, take me from here to there. I'm never satisfied driving down the road, driving across as we've done the deserts of all the western states that we visited, and you crest a hill, and it's a massive valley, and you see for miles and miles and miles, and it looks so far, Pastor. It looks like it's unattainable, but all you got to do is drive 20 minutes, and you've already exceeded it your line of sight, you've already exceeded it 25, 30 miles, and you've exceeded it. But you can sit there and look at the moment you're sitting in right now and say, it's too far. It'll cost me too much. Saints of God, God is letting us see a glimpse and showing us in the distance. We have to make that commitment and say, I'm in. I'm for it. Come on, family. We're going to do this. It won't take long. Let's do this. Saints of God, I'm trying to encourage you tonight. Don't let yourself be so blocked to where you can't see anything around you. Look into the future. Look into what you can see. God begin to open the windows of heaven and pour out a Spirit. He's trying to draw us to a place. And it's not where we're at right now. I, Where we live... We are surrounded by trees in our neighborhood. We never get to see a sunset or a sunrise because there's big, tall, mighty trees in our backyard, neighbor's yard, front yard, their front yard. All we see is the sun come up, the blue sky peeking through trees. And I love, love seeing sunrises and sunsets because I never get to see them in the nearly 18 years we've been living in that house we're in, never get to see them. But when I get to go somewhere, I love going on vacation places. I'm really simple. But I plan my vacations around the moon. Because if the moon's hidden, that means the sky is black. And it's just unveiled, revealed a, a massive view of the stars. We don't get to see that in the city. When I go on vacation, I like to find a place where I can get up in the morning and look and see the sunrise, and then turn around and see the sunset. It's beautiful. I never get to see it. Pulling up to the church at a certain time of the year, just the way that the time is or when you're here at the church in the morning, it's beautiful. Sister Golf and I have done it. We've taken pictures. Come here for morning prayer and walk out and look and see a beautiful sunrise. I'm like I don't get that at my house. But sometimes you got to go places to see the beautiful things. Now, just like Sister Golf and I lived in our house for 18 years, little house, four-bedroom house, seven people, little bitty house. But you know what? I can say no. I need a mansion. I need to do this, this, and this. But God has used us where we've been to reach a lot of people. Now. I know that for me to do more in the kingdom, I need to invest myself in ways that I probably am not comfortable. I may have to move. I may have to do something different. I may have to uh, have God push me to the place to where I'm doing things different, because it'd be easy for me to say, what about 18 more years? Saints of God, how many years we've been here? It'd be easy for us to say, people move in, people move out. Why not just stay here? We get to see the sun every once in a while. God is trying to take us from here to there. Don't be satisfied. In order for you to see the good things of God, you're going to have to go somewhere. You're going to have to invest. Just like we go on vacation, we're pulling that little rinky-dinky trailer behind our truck, going out west, fighting the wind for hours on end, being blown by the wind this side and this side, Semis passing us, probably Brother Chad passing us on the highway, yelling our names, stupid RVs, hogging up the road, and we're getting blown from this side to the next. But when we pull into our campsite and we say, that was worth it. That was worth it. Saints of God, I know it's so simple, nothing earth-shattering, but God is calling this church to another destination. This is not where we need to stop. Travel light, saints. Get you a bag and pack it, a go bag, and have just a little bit of things in there, just like the apostles did. The disciples were commissioned. Don't take more than what you need. That's us. That's what we need to do. Don't get settled in and saying, well, this building and this seating of people, and this is all that there is for this church. No. No, it's not. It may be for you, and that's okay. But you know what? God wants to pull each and every one of us to a deeper place with Him. Let's lift our hands and talk to Him.